Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. In the last episode, I started talking about self-awareness. It is one of the engines that I talk about in the title of this podcast, The Upgrade Engines. The more we improve self-awareness, the more everything else improves. In that episode, I talked about what I called the twin pillars of self-awareness. First is self-assessment. Nobody knows you like you. Nobody has access to your thoughts and your feelings to know whether your energy is high or low. I mean, there are a certain amount of external things you can measure that way, but most of that, you've got to sit and process yourself. It is non-optional for you to get good at self-assessment if you want self-awareness. So I gave a couple of tools there, the ways I'm currently using that, and hopefully that helped you to think about how you can do this. Today, I want to talk about the other pillar of self-awareness. And that is outside objective feedback. Listen, if all you do is self-assessment, your own internal evaluation and, and processing, you will grow, but you subject yourself to a major problem. By itself, that leaves you victim to massive blind spots and self deception. Let's just be real. There's a lot of people who have a lot of quotes about this. But uh, Feynman's got one of the cleverest one, Richard Feynman. Richard Feynman, the famous physicist, said, The first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. All of us engage in self-deception on the regular basis. I am still wrestling with it. I think I'm getting better over time, but wisdom would encourage me to say, Yeah, that itself could be a self-deception. There's a certain amount of humility, of of intelligence, of maturity that says, man, I'm aware, I'm self-aware enough to know that I am only limited in my self-awareness. Yeah, if you sit down, they've done research, they've done studies on this. People who say, man, I'm really self-aware, I have a really high sensitivity to how I show up in the world and I'm really tuned into that, and they evaluated people. And you know what they found? that there is no correlation to how self-aware somebody feels and how self-aware everyone else reports them to be. I, you got to get this. This is a really big deal. You can feel like you really know yourself well and you know what's going on, and that does not correlate strongly with whether other people feel like you are very self-aware and know how you show up in the world. Because all that happens when you do self-assessment is you increase the confidence and clarity that you have about your own thoughts. You're able to articulate them well. You know what what you believe and don't believe, feel and don't feel, but you don't know if you're right. If you don't want to just get really confident about things that aren't really true, right? You're so sure you got this and you don't. Then you have to add the second pillar of self-awareness, and that is objective outside feedback. You have to get a reality check. 
Now, there's lots of ways to do this, but let me give you some examples. You might remember from the last episode, I talked about how I got really specific on my self-assessments, including like, not just me as, how am I doing as a person? Like, well, how about my husband role? That's not, how about the eight roles of my husband? Let me rate myself and talk about them. Guys, that's useful. Do you know what has been more useful to me than that self-assessment on my husband role? It has been when I have given that list to my wife and said, hey, would you rate me one to 10? How am I doing on these? Because I I can often guess correctly, yeah, I didn't do a lot in that category. You know, we kind of had a fight about that one. Uh, Maybe I'm, I'm not great there. But that has not been the most valuable learning. The awareness, the things that really opened my eyes and made me more clear on what's going on is when my, I would rate myself well and my wife wouldn't. Guess what? In this particular category, uh, her rating trumps my rating. I think I'm being romantic and she doesn't feel like I'm very romantic. Um, It doesn't matter how romantic I think I'm being. The whole point was her to feel good. And if she's not feeling good, it's not working. You know, I think I'm giving her the gift she likes and she doesn't actually like that gift. That's not a good gift, guys. And you don't know that until you ask. Now, some of this I knew, but man, there have been times where like, yeah, I don't really love this part of a marriage. And she'll say, generally, we're good. And Now, here's the important part. My wife tends to be um, conflict avoidant, and she's very compassionate, and she's sweet, and she's an encourager. And we generally have had a great relationship, uh, exceptionally good in some cases. But those years have been the most important years when I needed her feedback, because she would be like, eight, nine, 10, eight, nine, 10, like, you're doing great. And then that four or five that I got that one year, she's like, listen, I, you need to know the whole, you're great and I'm really glad with you right now. And, and But that, that four or five that she didn't want to talk about because she didn't want to discourage me, right? That was actually the most useful growth thing for me because I would have easily missed it and been like, yeah, like we're great. Things are great. And, uh, and we get into this co-parenting, that's one of the categories, co-parent. Yeah, okay, okay. Maybe I haven't backed you up like we promised we would back each other up in front of the kids. Maybe I have been kind of undermining you a little bit because I didn't like that. I, I am so sorry. We need to work on that because I didn't think it was a big deal and it, it's having an impact. Guys, get outside feedback. Take your same self-assessments and as much as possible, ask somebody you trust. Ideally, somebody who's in the work with you on that. If it's your co-parenting, like get the other parent away into it. Uh, if it's leadership, there are leadership tools. Um, I've, I've been participant of and we deliver through our company Leadership 360s. Now, 360 is like the, the circle, full 360 degrees. And what you do is you take the same set of leadership questions and you evaluate yourself. Then you ask your peers, you know, side, horizontal. Then you ask the people who report to you. And they, you can even ask your boss. And so you get this full circle. And then the consultant typically is done with a consultant. You can do it yourself. But the advantage of a consultant is they can take all those results pull them together and keep it anonymous if you want. Uh, they can summarize things without people having to put themselves out there. You can, if you have a great high trust place, which is not common, but it's awesome when you get it, you don't have to be anonymous. But if you're a little worried, you can go anonymous, have a third party kind of facilitate it for you. Man, leadership 360s are painful and uh, surprising and exhausting and a hundred times more valuable than giving everybody a self-assessment and asking how good of a leader I am. I, I can't tell you how important this is. In fact, let me talk about one of my favorite effects. Let me tell you about the Dunning-Kruger effect. 
Now, this is a psychological paper written by two professors, Dunning and Kruger. So it's got the name Dunning-Kruger effect. And here's what they found. They evaluated people in multiple disciplines where you can have some objective measure of how skilled they are. And they also evaluated them on how confident they are, their self-rating of their skill, self-assessment, right? And so Dunning and Kruger found that ironically, the people who had the lowest level of skill rated themselves the highest level of proficiency. They were so bad at understanding the field that they didn't know how to evaluate themselves and they thought they were great. This is the famous bad singer who thinks they're awesome, right? They don't know, they're so tone deaf, they can't evaluate the difference between good singing and bad singing, so they think they're awesome. It's the worst ones who think they're the best. Now, it's not true that the best ones think they're the worst, right? They balance out and they have a mature understanding of themselves, but there is an odd little spike at the bottom end of the spectrum. Those who are worse at it are the least likely to know it. Now, you might be, like me, tempted in this moment to be thinking, yeah, those morons, I know a guy like that, right? Like this friend of mine, she's like that. She totally thinks, yeah, guys, this is true of you. There may be zones. You are sure today. You are so good at. But the fact is, you're so unskilled, untrained, undeveloped, unpracticed, that you are might actually be one of the worst people at it, and you don't know. This is the problem, right? This is why we need outside objective, because even I know this, and right now, I can't tell you the category that's true in my life. But here's what I know. About every three to five years, I discover a new zone that this is true. This has happened so many times in my life, I have lost count. Things I totally believed, ah, I got that thing figured out. And then something happens, and I'm like, oh, snap. I had no idea what was possible. I'm not even on the scale of excellence. I'm a baby beginner and I got to get started. So that means if I'm rational and mature, I should probably acknowledge there's something right now in my life that I think I'm good at, that at some point in the future, I'm going to discover, oh, nope, I didn't even know what good was. I'm bad at it right now and I think I'm good at it. And maybe so are you. The only way you're going to know is if you get an outside source of feedback if you do a reality check. Now, there's two ways to do this. The first I just talked about, you ask other people you trust whose opinion has weight and merit, has some, they have some input into the idea, and they ask him, how are you doing? If I grab a random guy off the street and ask, how am I doing as a husband to my wife? Tell me what he thinks. How's he supposed to know? If I ask my wife, that is high value input. Now, if I ask a, a random guy, how am I doing with my physical fitness? He doesn't know. If I ask my physical trainer, right? If I ask, man, how am I doing as a business person? And, you know, ask my buddy from high school who's never seen me in the office versus I ask an expert coach or consultant to come in and do an assessment, right? Ask other people. It could be casual friends. Some of the stuff you can hire, the leadership 360s. Uh, we do organizational assessments and a lot of folks will do this. I want to work on this part of my business. Find somebody that has a formal process to evaluate that business, write an assessment and give you a plan. How do I get better at it? Where am I good? Where am I missing? Ask other people for their input. That's the first major way I do. And I do this a lot. I do, listen, I'm a coach and I have my own coach. 
I have somebody challenge me on stuff. I, uh, I, we do assessments for companies. Do you know what I literally this summer did? Hired a group to come assess part of our business. We were growing into a new zone. Uh, I'm launching a book. So as of the release of this podcast, my book's about to come out. Um, it'll be right around when this episode hits. And it's my fourth book. But honestly, I'm trying to up my game and get better at book launches than I've ever done before. I've never really gotten a serious plan and put real effort or money or thought into a great book launch. Well, well, now I am. And that's not an expertise of mine. And so guess what? I hired a firm to come do an assessment of our book launch capability, how we've done it in the past and help us come up with a strategic plan. We do assessments and I hired somebody to do an assessment for me. Invite pros in, invite your friends in, invite other people to give you feedback. That's the first piece I would say. The second is to set a measurable benchmark. Pick a goal that is not how do I feel about it. So the book launch is a good thing, right? They're going to assess us and they talk and I've got somebody's professional opinion, right? A validated opinion that, that's got weight. Do you know the other thing that I'm using as real feedback? I'm going to try a bunch of this stuff and I could get together with this same firm afterwards and we could do a uh, opinion conversation and say, how do you think I did? And how do I feel I did? And do you know what would be a far better objective feedback on whether I did a good job with my book launch? Uh, how many books I sold? Like it, it's pretty straightforward, right? If I do a good job on the book launch, the better I do, the more books I sell. And if we both are like, man, you killed it, man, you did everything brilliantly. I don't think you could have done any better. And I sell 14 books. Yeah. I don't think that's a very good book launch. It doesn't matter how we feel about it. There's some sort of objective measure or flip the coin. Maybe we're like, man, clearly I didn't do that great. And we, but if in that first week I sell 2000 copies, Hey, that's a pretty good, now, I don't know how it feel for you. For me, that'd be great first week. I'd love to have a strong, uh, 1000 plus week. I'd by the funny mention that that's actually my goal. I'd love to hit a thousand or more the first week. So that's why I said 2000 cause it's double my goal. Like, heck yeah, that would be awesome. I don't care if I'm like, man, maybe I should have done more. And then I, 2000 right out of the gate and then hopefully sell more every week after that. Like, yes, that would be a phenomenal book launch. Similarly, how do I feel about my eating or how am I doing with my weight, man? You know, the single best way to know how I'm doing on my weight and my eating, stand on a bathroom scale and see how much I actually weigh. Yeah. I wish it could be like, I know. How do I feel about my diet today? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. If I eat badly, I will gain weight. And if I eat well, I will lose weight. There you go. Objective outside measures. Find a way to put some sort of external number. Now, it's not always possible, right? This is why uh, being a husband leans more heavily on, hey, how does my wife feel about it? I don't have a objective physical thing we can both point at and be like, look, our marriage points are at 17.3. If you figure that out, let me know. Right now, that's a, an internal process. So we discuss it. But there are a lot of things that are easily measurable. And you could journal and process and debate and strategize, or you could just look up the book sales report. So this is the combination that I have found really powerful when it gets to outside feedback is Ask trusted people, either close friends or professionals, and set some external measures, something that is above and beyond how I felt about it. Say, so if it works, it should correlate highly, and let's see what happens. And before you, you get too discouraged about this, actually, the best learning, the goal is self-awareness, remember? The best learning comes when there's a gap between what I think is going to happen and what actually happens. In that world of hypothetical, like, I think I killed it and nobody bought a book, 
that's actually going to cause me to learn and grow. And guys, that's the goal. I'm going to wrap up this little two-series conversation about self-awareness. The number one thing keeping us back, or maybe just me, so if you'll let me vent, maybe you're like this, uh, but at least for me, the number one thing that holds me back is I don't want to look bad and I don't want to lose. The problem is if I have a short-term focus on that, then I don't want to ask my wife, how am I doing? Because then she's going to tell me I messed up and then I'm going to feel like I'm doing a bad job and it's going to be a bad experience short-term. But can we be honest? When I'm messing up in a particular area of our marriage, it doesn't do me any good to not know. I'm going to keep messing up even when I don't know. She's still not having a good experience. The only difference is I think I'm doing fine. If I want to take a long-term perspective, if I, I don't want to look bad and I don't want to fail, then I really need to know that I'm messing up now. And while as unfun as it's going to be now, it's going to make it so much more fun in the long term. Yes, I, I don't want to find out that my book sales are bad. Like my launch plan was terrible. If the book comes out and nobody buys the book, that'll feel bad. Man, I blew the launch plan. I really didn't get good at it. But that's a whole lot better figuring this out and getting and then finding out how to find people and let the right readers know about my book. By the way, that's the key. It's not just uh, blasting tons of money and trying to say everybody. It's not everybody. It's the people who my book is written for. How do I let them know this book is what they need? So that's the key. Well, so I got to get good at finding them and then good at putting it in front of them and putting it in a way that catches their attention, right? So if I don't get good at those things, I don't want to pat myself on the back and then write book after book after book and fail to figure it out because I never once checked to see if anybody actually bought the book. If I really don't want to look bad, if I really want to succeed, then I need to know now where I'm messing up. You can't be afraid of the short-term disappointment. You got to play the long game. You got to be willing. And here's, let me tell you the irony. I've been doing this for some years and I'm getting, I started terrible at this. I'm like really frank. I remember being a kid growing up and honestly being utterly convinced that I was right all the time and getting angry when somebody tried to prove me wrong, convinced there's no way. I'm, I'm pretty much right about everything. I mean, I'd said that out loud. <laughs> you can you can ask my family and friends that grew up with me. I was um, not a gentle person to argue with, but I've slowly figured this out over time. And not only am I willing, honestly, I'm getting to a place where I get an odd sense of satisfaction or even pleasure. It's a weird word to say pleasure for this because it's still not fun to find out I biffed it. But there's also this excitement and opportunity like, oh, now I get to grow. Now I can be better. That thrill of self-awareness, a new insight hit. That is growing and growing to, to the point now, I think it's actually more exciting to learn that than it is discouraging to find out I messed up. I mean, it's still discouraging, but in addition, I'm enjoying getting better. That's the goal. The goal is not, can I validate how awesome I am. If that's your goal, you're going to have a hard time with self-awareness and therefore a hard time with, I would say, everything else in your life. If you're willing to let go of that goal and not try to validate your goodness, your correctness, if you're willing to truly open it up and be willing in the short term to be challenged, in the long term, you do so much better. Guys, if you gotta start anywhere and you want to upgrade, start with self-awareness. What is really going on? 
This is true for you individually. It's true for your teams, your companies. Start with an assessment. A leader, literally today, I was working with some CEOs and he came up and said, where do I start? I mean, I love all the grand vision you talked about, but how do we actually get moving on this? And I said, forget all the cool ideas you just have. Start with an honest assessment. Uh, strategy, growth. I'm going to oversimplify it, right? It's, it's Google Maps. Where am I? Where do I want to go? What are my options for getting there? What's the fastest path? Well, everyone gets excited about where I want to go. And the piece we tend to miss is where am I today? Where exactly on the map am I now? And if you don't know that, it's going to be very hard to figure out how to upgrade. You're going to wander and guess. Aim vaguely north by northeast, I hope. But if you know exactly where you are today, man, everything else gets so much simpler. Work on self-awareness through self-assessment and objective feedback and everything else in your life will get better. I promise. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.